Chapter Eleven of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven A Little Journey in the World. The road leading to the Eggleston farm might, for the sheer wild loveliness of it, have conducted one straight to paradise. But Milly, walking swiftly between myriads of fluttering leaves and blossoms jewelled thick with the lavish splendours of rain and sun paid scant heed to its beauty she was painfully conscious of old mrs orne sitting alone before the loom its steady thump thumping marking the heavy rhythm of her thoughts and the money of which she had never been told and which had been drawing interest all these years why should the mere memory of it kindle so strange a fire in those mild eyes? Athwart the crystal pool of Milly's mind, an ominous shadow had fallen. But she had not sufficient knowledge of the world, of either books or men, to guess the truth. Something strange had befallen her father and mother. This much was clear. Had he deserted her in her hour of need, sending the money in lieu of his presence? such cruelty was unthinkable yet her grandmother's words had clearly implied it and afterward what could have become of him she had always supposed herself orphaned of both father and mother and yet now that she considered the matter grandmother had never said so the thought of a father cold and unloving perhaps not even aware of her existence dimmed the warm rose of her cheek and her blue eyes, lifted suddenly at the sound of a horse's hoofs in the road behind her, were full of vague trouble. The horse, a bright bay, sidled by with a wild glance at the girl's slim blue figure in its little fluttering cape. His rider spoke to him sharply, touching spurred heels to the animal's glossy flank. They had passed in an instant, the man hastily touching his cap with a muttered word of apology, Milly watched the two figures, man and horse seeming like one, as they topped the rise just ahead. She did not remember to have seen either before. In the flashing moment of their encounter, she had noticed his keen dark eyes and his riding clothes, of a fashion unfamiliar to the country roads about Innisfield. The single look he had cast in her direction appeared to question her presence on the narrow road leading to the Eggleston farm. Yet such are the intricacies of the human heart, Milly Orne ceased to think further of her mysterious father, who had somehow managed to earn grandmother's undying hatred, and of the money, which nobody wanted, drawing interest in the Innisfield Savings Bank. It should continue to draw interest for all of her, thought Milly, with a spirited toss of her pretty head. If none of it could be spent to bring comfort to the two old people, it was useless to her. She was strong and could earn money, which she would spend as she liked. Once more Milly beheld in imagination the rows upon rows of yellow shingles shining in the sun, and this time she added a dun cow to her picture, a young and beautiful dun cow peacefully chewing the safe cud of contentment in Grandfather's pasture. There were fresh hoof-prints in the moist gravel of the drive winding between the stately gate-posts of the old Eggleston place. As Milly rounded a curve in the road, densely masked with flowering shrubs, she beheld the bay horse, 
standing meekly enough with trailing bridle before the side entrance of the house. The young man who had ridden him was talking with a woman under the shelter of the portico. Neither of them appeared to notice Milly's timid approach. She paused and drew back a little at the sight of the man's passionate gesture of denial. He was evidently angry at something the woman was saying in an indistinguishable voice. "'I'll do nothing of the sort,' Milly heard him say loudly. "'I'll be hanged if I will. You push a fellow too hard, mother.' Then both turned, suddenly conscious of the girl's shrinking presence. "'What are you doing here?' the woman said sharply. The young man had already flung himself upon the horse and ridden violently away. Everything about him seemed violent, Milly thought. The woman repeated her question in a more conventional tone. "'What do you wish?' Her cold, imperturbable eyes were busy with the girl's face and figure. "'I came to see Mrs. Hill,' Milly replied timidly. Uh, "'Mrs. Pettibone, I, I have a note from her.' "'I am Mrs. Hill,' the woman said, and extended her hand for the triangular message bearing her name. "'Have you read this?' she demanded, raising her eyes from its swift perusal. "'Read it?' echoed Milly, her colour rising. "'Oh, no, Mum, certainly not.' "'Well, it seems from this you are not an ordinary servant,' commented Mrs. Hill, sweeping the girl's slim figure with an appraising stare. "'I don't know whether you'll do. I should prefer an elderly woman with experience. Still, can you cook?' "'I've never cooked except at home,' hesitated Milly, very pink and trembling under the scrutiny of the woman's eyes. "'Perhaps I oughtn't to say I can. I know how to prepare vegetables and cook them, and meat. I can make pies, too. Grandfather likes my pies better than Grandmother's. I am strong, and I can make plain cake and molasses cake. And You look healthy,' the woman conceded harshly. She sighed heavily, yet with a touch of impatience. "'If you try me just today,' the girl went on timidly, "'I should like to go home nights.' "'Where do you live?' Milly pointed vaguely. "'It's not far,' she said. "'Down the road a piece.' "'In the village?' "'Oh, no, Mum. Grandfather's house is quite away this side of the village.' Mrs. Hill considered the girl's reply in a silence which appeared to connect itself with Mrs. Pettibone's modest communication. Milly watched the strong white fingers tear the paper into strips, and then twice across, in a bewilderment which presently deepened into resentment. Grandmother, she thought, wouldn't like her to stand here begging for work, when, after all, there was money which belonged to her by rights. I think I'll try you. Mrs. Hill announced, looking up suddenly from her work of demolition. She allowed the bits of paper to escape negligently from her plump white hands. "'You may come in. I see you're dressed for work.' "'Yes, Mum,' said Milly Orne meekly. "'I've never been without a servant before,' Mrs. Hill observed, as she piloted Milly into a large, disorderly kitchen. She turned and faced the girl before a table covered with soiled dishes. "'Perhaps Mrs. Pettibone has already told you of us?' she demanded interrogatively. Her eyes demanded instant reply. Milly shook her head. "'She said you were—oh, that you'd only lived here a little while. 
we came here for my daughter's for mrs walter hill's health the woman said slowly now kindly pay attention to what i tell you i shall not repeat it nor must you you understand you are not to talk to any one of what you see or hear in my house while you are employed here she paused her eyes under gathered brows gazing opaquely at the girl of course i shouldn't think of began milly proudly mrs hill cut her short with an impatient gesture not that there is anything in the least peculiar or even interesting in our living here my daughter-in-law soon after her marriage to my son fell into a nervous almost hysterical condition our physician advised country air and a complete change of climate and environment and through my agent i learned of this place and took it for a year there are only the three of us my son his wife and myself now i think you know all that is necessary to know the flow of words spoken in a low hurried voice suddenly ceased but the woman still stood one plump hand resting on the table her eyes riveted upon the girl's listening face perhaps she resumed suddenly i ought to reassure you on one point my son's wife while exceedingly nervous and unstrung is perfectly rational except on one or two points she had a strange fancy concerning her husband which our physician assures us will disappear in due time her mental condition in short is not wholly unnatural in view of the facts in the case i am telling you this so that in case sylvia mrs hill should say anything to you if she should even attempt to talk to you kindly report the circumstance at once to me your failure to do so might involve us all in great trouble do you understand milly was looking down feeling very hot and uncomfortable i should not talk to anyone she said coldly i wish to earn money that's why i came i should do my work oh as to wages mrs hill observed after a slight pause you'd hardly expect more than twenty dollars milly gazed at the woman with slightly narrowed eyes mrs pettibone told me you would pay thirty she said slowly i mentioned thirty dollars in my note to mrs pettibone conceded mrs hill an experienced servant would be worth that much you are merely an untrained girl it's not at all likely you can cook anything we could eat to say nothing of waiting on table or fine laundry work i shall have to show you everything these were incontrovertible facts milly turned them slowly over in her mind then she put forward a fact quite as incontrovertible there are no experienced servants in innisfield she asserted you will not find any nearly everyone is busy at home or in the mills she looked towards the door which stood open revealing a stretch of unshorn grass and a weedy flower border beyond she was thinking she'd go home and beg grandmother to let her work in the mills perhaps now that the cow was dead grandmother would give her consent well i'll give you thirty dollars mrs hill said sharply i'm obliged to have someone at once take off your hat and go to work this kitchen must be put to rights first we have luncheon at one and dinner she broke off suddenly at the sound of an opening door milly saw her face change queerly and when she spoke again her voice was soft and purring 
sylvia my dear this is our new maid by the way what is your name oh milly milly orne that is a very pretty name and odd for a maid milly this is mrs walter hill my son's wife i believe you saw mr hill he was talking with me when you came really your sudden appearance quite startled me i wasn't expecting such good fortune milly turned and saw a tall girl standing in the doorway staring at her with a mixture of curiosity and sullen defiance in her dark face her eyes were slightly swollen and discoloured as if with recent tears and her mouth drooped dispiritedly at the corners mrs hill walked resolutely toward the door and attempted to pass her arm around the girl's waist come sylvia my dear she said coaxingly suppose we leave milly to her work and go for a ramble in the woods it will do you good the girl's mutinous face quivered as she threw off the caressing hand don't mother she exclaimed irritably you know i can't bear it but she turned to follow with seeming docility milly heard the door close behind the two women and the sound of their retreating steps in the uncarpeted passage left quite alone in the midst of the untidy kitchen milly looked around for a nail on which to hang her hat then she invested her slim person in the clean checkered apron she had brought with her the fire had gone out in the cook stove and the water in the old-fashioned reservoir was cold there was neither wood nor kindling to be found in the box behind the stove after a moment of indecision milly opened one of several doors in search of the woodshed there were steps descending to a brick-floored room its one cobwebbed window opening upon the green gloom of a grassy bank overgrown with rampant lilac shoots hmm, the milk-room decided milly looking about the rows of dusty shelves and the pails and pans once shining silver bright but now dim with the rust of long disuse there was a sound of running water in the cold greenish gloom where a sparkling spring gushed from a wooden pipe falling with a musical drip and gurgle into a rude trough thence disappearing through a hole in the floor a second door half open disclosed to milly's inquiring gaze a pantry of ample proportions well stocked with ancient crockery and utensils the shelf before the open window bore a heterogeneous collection of grocer's supplies a pot of butter melting in the sun a tumbler of jam besieged by darting flies a baker's loaf cut crookedly across and sugar spilled from a broken bag and already under convoy of a procession of industrious ants a tin pail half filled with milk in which divers of the besieging force had met ignominious defeat she found the woodshed at last and the sight of its ordered rows of hickory sticks and the plentiful supply of chips bespeaking former days of thrift and industry somehow restored her drooping spirits a competent fire soon crackled in the rusty stove then milly attacked the piled-up dishes on the table wondering a little how three people could possibly have employed so many plates cups and utensils in the course of a single breakfast there were other things over which to wonder a quantity of silver spoons and forks thrown negligently into an iron saucepan in which milk had been burned a broken plate of delicate porcelain containing a fragment of yellow soap a silent clock on the mantel 
pointing to the hour of six. Milly searched for and found the key. She didn't know the hour, but guessed it to be ten. The clock struck busily, its harsh, rasping voice seeming to rebuke the desolating disorder of the old kitchen. Then Milly bethought her once more of the butter melting in the sun. Obviously the milk-room, with its penetrating coolness, was the place for perishable foods. What might a trained servant do under existing circumstances, she wonder? One really worth the thirty dollars a month she had so boldly exacted. Still pondering this question, she plunged the pot of butter in the cool water of the spring, undertook salvage work on the milk-pail and sugar-bag, and then fell to washing the dishes, tables, shelves, everything in sight. A step on the newly cleansed floor caused her to look up from rueful contemplation of a drawer in the kitchen cupboard, crammed to bursting with soiled table linen. The tall young man whom she had last seen riding violently away on his bay horse stood near the door, looking about him with an air of astonishment. He still wore his riding clothes, spattered with the mud of fast and furious travel. He glanced at Milly with a certain lighting of his sombre young face remotely suggesting a smile. "'Are you here to stay?' he propounded. "'I don't know,' Milly replied. "'If I suit, perhaps.' "'Suit? You mean... I'm not an experienced... Oh, she hesitated with a slight pucker of her white forehead. "'I've never worked out before.' "'You don't look in the least like a servant,' he said, with a brusqueness which suggested his mother. "'Rummy old hole, this kitchen. I've done my best, but it's not exactly in my line. I'm not uh, experienced, either.' Milly was silent, her eyes bent upon the mass of soiled linen she was sorting. He did not go away, however, but reached for a glass on the table. "'I came in for a drink of that bully water,' he stated. Best thing about the place. He came back presently, whistling under his breath. Clever idea of yours to put the butter and milk in the water, he commented. There seems to be no ice man about, and no refrigerator. We didn't happen to think of your little scheme. Still, Milly did not reply. Mrs. Hill, she could not help reflecting, appeared to have bestowed scant attention upon her kitchen and everything connected with it. The singular young man stared at her with gathered brows. Oh, I suppose I ought to have tackled these dishes yesterday, or the day before, he broke out after a lengthening pause. Mother, well, you see, she's busy most of the time, and Sylvia, well, well none of us were exactly prepared for the life here. It appears to keep one comfortably busy just to exist, doesn't it? To exist and clear away the debris. Where is mother, anyhow? I don't know, said Milly. She walked across to the stove and replenished the fire, and then she looked at the clock. If you would kindly tell me the time, I set the clock by guessing. He assisted the old clock to a more exact performance of its duties with an almost eager air of friendliness. Uh, couldn't we have something to eat pretty soon? he asked over his shoulder. Milly stole a bewildered glance at him. Mrs. Hill said dinner, oh, no, luncheon, she hesitated over the seldom-used word, was to be at one. But she didn't tell me. Well, he said, luncheon hath a pleasant sound. 
suppose i help you a bit mother ought to be doing it but i know where some of the stuff is what can you cook baked potatoes milly suggested doubtfully baked potatoes excellent what else can you toss up a good omelette you mean eggs of course i attempted it one day it didn't sound hard in the cookbook there's a cookbook you know uh, when it came to the tossing did you ever try it the girl shook her head i don't know what you even mean she said but i can cook eggs different ways oh good eggs different ways it shall be there's bread if that's what you call the curious stuff the grocer brings do you eat out here asked milly timidly i might set the table oh it is the most cheerful spot in the house now you're in it he said with a short laugh but so far we've observed the rules of the game to the extent of eating in the dining-room he flung open a door and glanced in with an impatient exclamation i see mother left it to you and you just look here milly beheld a large sparsely furnished room with open windows in the middle of the floor stood a disordered table covered with the remains of a meal eaten several hours before i didn't know she said with desperate courage mrs hill said i wasn't trained well i'm not i didn't think about a dining-room mother's fault if she didn't show you was his brusque comment never mind oh, you didn't tell me your name his handsome boyish eyes looked straight into hers milly shook her head i'm afraid i won't do mr hill you're very kind but i'm not kind i want you to stay come on i'll help you hustle these things to the kitchen it won't take a minute she obeyed him in perplexed silence where could the mistress of this disjointed household be and the husband of the handsome sullen-browed girl why should he concern himself with neglected breakfast things and the proper way to cook eggs she resented his half-defiant manner his boyish eyes and the jingling spurs on his heels nevertheless she prepared the potatoes he brought her from some unexplored corner laid the dismantled table with fresh linen and china under his direction and was in the act of setting a pan of hastily compounded biscuit in the oven when the door opened and mrs hill glided smoothly in did you think i had quite forgotten you was her initial question her dull eyes glanced frowningly from the girl's flushed face to that of her son who stood surveying his mother with a deepening of his defiant air hard at it as usual mother he said somebody had to help you know i think sylvia would like to see you walter she replied with a significant lifting of her brows mrs hill stood for some moments looking blankly about the kitchen she did not appear to notice what had been accomplished i had intended to return sooner she said stiffly you found what was needed or did walter uh, mr hill milly opened her lips to reply but the woman went on a sudden almost apologetic smile overspreading her features of course you've noticed that everything is out of order in the house i thought at first we should be able to live quite simply without a servant but there really is so much one doesn't think of and being unaccustomed yes mum said milly with down-dropped eyes shall i scramble the eggs the eggs oh yes mrs hill is fond of omelette 
I think there's some in a bag, or... Milly began breaking eggs into a bowl. She set a saucepan over the fire and put a lump of butter in it. Mrs. Hill watched her movements speculatively. You appear to know what to do, she murmured, but um, the rasping voice of the clock told the hour of one. I'm sorry to be late, said Milly, in a small, meek voice. Oh, that is no matter. But Milly tested the potatoes with a practised thumb and finger and turned the pan of biscuit. They had puffed to a fabulous lightness and were beginning to take on a tempting golden brown. She was thinking determinedly of the thirty dollars. It helped to steady her under the gaze of those singular eyes. She felt vaguely that Mrs. Hill was displeased. The kitchen floor, she ventured timidly, will look better after another cleaning, and so will the tables. The eggs in the saucepan required instant attention. Milly began lifting spoonfuls of the creamy mixture to the top. Into Mrs. Hill's opaque gaze had crept a sudden gleam of appetite. She appeared to abandon for the moment the train of thought she had been pursuing. I must have some coffee, she said abruptly. Serve luncheon at once, and then make some. End of chapter 11